Welcome to Luthier's Tale. I'm Ben Liggett, Luthier and owner of Liggett Guitars. Every episode I interview someone that's passionate about their craft. This week I'm speaking with Scott Heatley, owner of Heatley Guitars. Scott's guitars are simple, clean, and adorned with personalized touches. Be sure to check out his work on Instagram as well as HeatleyGuitars.com. If you like the podcast, please leave me a rating on iTunes and subscribe. That helps other people like you find the show. Let's get into it. Well, I appreciate you doing the podcast with me today, sir. No problem, man. I don't have too many people to talk about guitars with, so. Yeah, you're up in Canada. Are you isolated up there? No, I'm in uh, I'm in a little town called Camel River on Vancouver Island. Uh, you know, there's guitar lovers here, but not a lot. Vancouver Island. Yeah, um, it's the largest island on the west coast of the continent. I was looking, I was looking at your your bio on your website, and uh, it said you were a tech in the '80s. Yeah, <laughs> well, sort of a makeshift tech. I uh, just uh, usually worked on my friends' guitars. In the '80s, it was uh, guitar was raging. It was a big deal back then. Everybody wanted to be a guitarist. Was it? Uh more of a golden age of guitar than it is now at least in um, popular music i guess i think as far as music goes it definitely was but not as far as the guitars were they weren't uh, it was mostly like jacksons and kramers and uh, you know fender was going through some sort of um i think they were being bought out or something like that and there was like a lot of it was just being made in japan at the time I think they sold the company, but none of the none of the gear, and uh, they had a factory making their guitars in Japan at the time for a while. There, I had one of them. How was it compared to American stuff? You know, it wasn't that bad. I think it was basswood, but or basswood, however you say that. Um, it wasn't a bad guitar, but uh, you know, the, the new Fenders are pretty nice, actually, for what they are. I haven't played any new ones in a while. I have one from the early aughts. That's my only comparison. Oh, yeah. Uh, how old uh, are you? I'm 33. Oh, yeah. How about yourself? I'm 50. Awesome. You missed the 80s. I did. Yeah, I was born in 88. <laughs> yeah, right. I missed all the fun times and the um, widespread cocaine use and all that stuff. Yeah, back when it <laughs> was actually cocaine. <laughs> um, so yeah, in the 80s, everyone had a Floyd Rose. I noticed you don't build any guitars with a Floyd. Are you sick of those? I, uh, I've done one in all of the time I've built, and it was it's a Superstrat that I still have, that I use huh. uh, a Floyd from a Kramer from the 80s. Um. I do have a model called the Progression that I just, I didn't even think it was going to take off and somebody ordered one and he wants a Floyd on it. So nice. that would be the first one I've ever had orders for. So oh, just um, not, I don't, I don't mind them. They're, yeah, they're just nobody's ever ordered one. So I never did it. Yeah, I really like having uh, a tremolo just to kind of accent stuff. But uh I've never really needed to dive bomb, you know? Yeah. Um, but the Floyd probably is the best trim as far as staying in tune. Like they have a mm -hmm. real good one. Just, you can't put it out of tune if it's set up right. Yeah. Um, uh, with the locking nut and all that. Yeah. Yeah. You can just beat the hell out of it and it never goes out of tune, which is, which is nice, but they're, um, they have a different feel. They're like very, very direct, you know, like they're instant. As soon as you touch it, it, it goes. So mm -hmm. some people don't like that. Uh, you know, I like a Bigsby, but I don't use a lot of trim, so I, I don't uh, make them for myself. I um, I really, I got to say, I really like your guitars. They're simple, but clean. Um, you have great choice in bindings. Um. And I just really like the lines 
you've got going on. No, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, some and, of your finishes uh, are like you've been using a lot of flake lately. Can you tell me a little bit about those? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I uh, yeah, I'm into hot rod culture and stuff like that. Uh, you know, motorcycles, choppers, bobbers, that type of stuff. So, um, I just decided I wanted to do some flake guitars and then, uh, people started ordering them. Um, yeah, they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of work, but I think they look pretty cool. I like, usually I like just doing the top flake and then the back will do white or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think looks the coolest, but, um, I just got a guy in Singapore. I got a new dealer there and he wanted like three flake guitars and one, one, uh, maple top guitar. So <laughs> they like the glitter over there, I guess. Nice. Um, certain people like them and some people think they look like their kid's backpack. So, <laughs> well, you know. when it's paired with the, uh, with the tortoise shell or the white binding and stuff like that, I think it looks pretty classy. I think it's cool. Yeah, it uh, reminds me of the 70s. When I was a kid, I had a helmet that had like a Canadian flag motif on it, and it was red red and white flake. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Nice. And back then, there was like hot rods and stuff that had flake and, or jet boats. Um, there was a, there's a lake up here, and you used to be able to just back your boat in right off the beach, and it used to be lined up. There would be like literally a dozen um v-drive flat bottom boats with motors you know blowers big block uh chevys with blowers and stuff on them all lined up along the beach and they were covered in flake now you know sort of a 70s hot rod type thing i always thought that was really cool um, yeah so doing it on guitar is just sort of an extension of that um you know my yeah you gotta <laughs> use inspiration wherever you can find it sure absolutely absolutely <laughs> What uh, what kind of finish are you spraying? Um, on the flake guitars, I use a urethane. I have used nitro before, but um, I use urethane. And uh, actually, urethane is I like using that stuff. I use nitro on stuff for bursts, mm -hmm. and, and um, you know, like a cherry red type finish. I'll use nitro. Um, sort of a seasonal type finish because you can't really spray it in the middle of winter. Uh, you know, it's sort of, bl it'll blush and it's just more, more of a pain in the ass really. Yeah. Yeah. Temperature changes are uh, a real pain in the paint booth. Yeah. But I just got uh, set up with a really nice paint booth now. So I guess I could do it, but, uh, urethane's nice to use. It's easier. It's not easier, but it's, uh, um, you know, you can buff it out quicker and stuff like that. And you can keep production moving a little bit easier. And, uh, you know, there's lots of colors and stuff. I can do just about anything with urethane that I can do with nitro. There's a few things that I prefer nitro, like I said, the bursts and stuff. But other than that, I, I mainly use uh, urethane. Yeah, uh, nitro is kind of a, a nightmare to work with for me personally. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't find it any harder or, or easier it's just you know it takes more coats it takes a little longer to cure um it'll crack if you're not careful mm -hmm. that sort of I, thing i'm using a uv cured poly nice. and uh so the uh the idea of waiting two weeks for something to dry or cure is just like uh don't do that to me <laughs> that's not that's not um yeah couple weeks at least for nitro mm -hmm. um so you've got a little uv booth and all of that you're using yeah 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 that's pretty yeah, cool just put the light on it and let it cure and i think it comes out kind of like a glassier uh finish and it stays that way longer uh, i feel like nitro kind of i don't know glazes over quicker yeah, well, that's I think that's kind of the charm of it that people like it. You sort that's of get true. like an old jean jacket or an old leather jacket type wear on it, mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to get with urethane or a polyester. And, and I get the um I get that 
especially when it comes to the feel of a neck, um, like finished in uh, urethane versus uh, nitro, just because it, nitro doesn't feel like a like a urethane gloss neck to me. No, but uh, a urethane you can put a satin on it that will last longer. Mm-hmm. Um, a satin satin uh, nitro almost buffs right up you know within a couple weeks it's already yeah starts going glossy so yeah it depends on what you want i'm not too fussy about it myself there are people that are fussy but most of my customers they don't even ask what i use so (laughs) that's um, guitar nerd stuff yeah you know that's sort of the gear page type thing Mm -hmm. yeah um what are some of your favorite woods that you use um, man, I had this batch of Karina for a while that was, uh, I can still get some of it, but it's pretty expensive. I, I will eventually get more of it, but, uh, it was out of the, out of a warehouse that Gibson used to get the Karina for their flying bees and the explorers. And it had date stamps on it from the fifties and it was, it was light and, uh, um, not all of it, but most of it was light, but it just had a certain sound. And um, I've had newer Karina and it just has a different grain structure. It's not the same at all as this old stuff. And it was, it's amazing, amazing sounding um, wood. Um, Do you think you know, that's a result of uh, older trees um, being cut down or sitting for a long time? Or both. You mean as far as the grain structure and that, or the way it sounds? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, both of those. You know, I've had newer Karina that sounds okay, but it's usually a lot heavier. Um, this stuff just, it's different. It's, the light stuff, when you machine it, it's almost like icing sugar. The, the sawdust, it just gets everywhere, man. If you're not wearing a mask, it's like, you know, it'll plug you up. But, uh, I don't know. You know, it just, I just, it's a nice batch of wood and it sounded really good. You know, every once in a while you'll get into a vein of nice mahogany or Karina or, or alder or whatever. And, uh, and it's just different than your average stuff. Um, I've also made guitars from maple, Western maple that sounded really good. And people think, oh, instantly it's going to be too bright, but it's not. And it, it, uh, has a really good you know a really nice sound you'd be surprised um i hauled them out because because it, it's kind of heavy but mm-hmm. it stays nice and tight it uh doesn't fall apart under gain or when you when you get some volume behind it um i'd use that before i like that better than alder actually um mahogany is always nice too but that karina was something special so i saved a few of them a few of them for myself just uh, that super strat I was talking about earlier was a nice piece of light Karina. You find a good batch of wood and you wish it lasts forever or you bought all of it. Yeah, I wish I could just build guitars for the next 10 years just of that Karina. It was so nice. Um, I probably will get some more. I do have, I think I have another body left that I'm going to make something out of. But uh, I know a guy who has a large batch of it still, so... But he wants a lot for per board foot, so uh, you know I probably will. One of my, I'll get one of my customers to buy it, and I'll make guitars for him for the next five years or something for <laughs> from it. It <laughs> sounds like a good deal. Yeah, it's a good deal. Yeah. Well, I I jumped ahead a little bit. How did you get into building? Yeah, that's um. Sort of an interesting story, I think. I uh, I've been fascinated with guitars ever since I can remember. Since I was just a little kid, like probably I had a guitar when I was like four years old, you know, like a Sears acoustic or something that I could never play. And I tried to learn how to play on and off ever since then. I was about thirteen when I finally got a guitar. Well, no, that's even before that. I was in this guitar choir at one time in 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 grade school, but, um, was in this band in my twenties and I couldn't afford nice guitars, but I was starting to get fascinated with, 
you know, PRS and stuff like that. And they were super expensive. And, um, I wanted more guitars, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't afford them, like I was saying. And then, uh, I just thought, well, I'll try to build one, you know, I, I can do this. And my brother was a furniture maker and I'd built part casters and I'd put guitars together out of parts and stuff like that. Quite a few of them. And I tried with, uh, my brother and, uh, we couldn't figure out the center line or something. I can't remember, but the first one was kind of a failure and I couldn't figure out the neck, how, how the truss rod worked or, um, you know, how, how am I going to get these fret lines in it? You know, how am I going to fret it? I had no idea about any of this stuff. We were just going to mm-hmm. try it. So it, it was a failure. And then I found this guitar school that was on the Island about half or about an hour from me. Remember the guy's name was Sigmund and he had this, just this ramshackle shop in the backyard, you know, like it was a, <laughs> like a hippie shack thrown together in his backyard. Nice. Yeah. And the, the course was like three grand for a month and you, and you build a guitar. So my I goodness, just, what year was this? This was, oh, it was over 20 years ago. Over, wow. Yeah. So it was like. Like I'd been building parts casters and stuff before that and, uh, you know, sort of trying my hand at being a luthier and, uh, it was, yeah, it was three grand for a month and I had to live down there and, uh, it was every day and yeah, what happened there? Um, that's right. And at the end of the month, you had a guitar. I made two, and the one was just a disaster. It was a set neck strat. It ended up getting smashed. And, and I built sort of a PRS copy with a rosewood neck. At the, at the time, that was a, was a thing. Um, and I just finished working on a, a movie set called Eaters of the Dead, and it turned out to be the 13th Warrior or something like that with, uh, what's that little short Itali- um, Mexican guy, um, Antonio Banderas. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I had a big I had a fat wad of cash. So I went and went and did this course and uh, and then I just started building. And I, right around that time, the Internet was picking up. And I thought, well, you know, I don't need a, I don't need to live in California. I can do this with the Internet people. It was still dial up, you know. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, you're crazy. This will never work. I said, you know. Whenever somebody says that to me, I'm like, yeah, you'll see. Hold my beer. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so. And then it just started kind of a snowball. I built two of them on this balcony of this condo I was living in at the time. And I almost got kicked out because people started complaining about the router noise and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I built this little tiny shop. It was like not even 10 by 10, man. In my mom's basement she just married this guy her her second husband who she's with now still and uh i just destroyed the 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 garage in the basement you know there was dust and shit everywhere and i started building it and i um i spammed harmony central um classifieds i went through every other night and i sent emails to everybody on there several times and people some people got really pissed off with me and (laughs) tried to i had no idea about any of this stuff at the time you know i was was so new to all of this stuff i didn't know you weren't supposed to do that and uh, one guy named tommy ordered a seven string this neck through thing he wanted coco bolo neck and all this was really fancy and i started that's how i got going and that was him. And then another guy, this young kid, I remember his name was Alex Lee. And he ordered a, a guitar called the Modern at the time. And he was a super pain in the ass. Just, oh, he was a pain in the ass, man. This kid. Nitpicky. Super nitpicky and just, he just drove me crazy. He wanted pictures of all this wood and he was quest- double, you know, questioning me and, and, uh, like trying to call me out, you know how they do nowadays where everybody's like a badge of honor to call somebody out, you know, like to call bullshit on. It was just like this constant. Um, But I built the guitar because I knew that 
I could put it on the website and he wanted a quilted top and it was going to be blue and all this stuff. And then he ended up selling it on eBay and I picked up another guy who saw it on eBay and phoned me directly. And he, that guy ended up buying like 14 guitars over a period of seven or eight years. My goodness. Dream client right there. It was. And that's what happened. I had a few guys just like that, like Tommy who ended up ordering five or six guitars. He ordered a fully, Coco Bolo neck through baritone seven string, this stupid thing. It was like 12 pounds and I hollowed it out and everything. Um, yeah, so I guess I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but, uh, once I got out of my mom's basement, I, I moved into this other shop that was below this old guy. He had lived on this horse farm and he had this apartment above this shop below and he had a little woodworking shop set up there and I ended up moving in there and uh I don't know how long I was there but I just wore out my welcome (laughs) working (laughs) all hours of the night and everything and he just ended up getting pissed off with me and kicked me out and I ended up buying a house and building a shop and uh and that's when I got the CNC from Ron Thorne and that's when things really uh, turned you know like uh, well, what year was that approximately i can't remember exactly what year it was i was like i want to say i was 30 32 or 34 right around that i think i was 32 so okay. that would have been 18 years ago how'd you get hooked up with ron thorne and what cnc did you buy well me and ron started at the same time uh, he started building at the same time as i did but he had a cnc machine so he was doing this wild stuff and like not charging enough for it you know so (laughs) people were flocking to him and i thought i i need one of these machines or you know for lack of a better word i'm fucked you know i'm so i uh i became friends with him him and i so we sort of were um competitors but we liked each other so um and he was making these machines so he custom made this CNC machine for me. And I remember at the time it was a big pain in the ass because he had stepper motors on it, but it, he couldn't get it to work. So he got this servo set up, which was a big bonus for me. And he didn't charge me anymore. So he made no money on it. Like he almost went backwards on it. And uh, wow. I've been using that same machines ever since then, like for almost 18 years or more than that, almost 20 years. How big's the machine? It's like uh four by four. Nice. That's perfect. Yeah. It's starting to wear out now. Like one of the um one of the axis, I can't remember if it's the X or the uh, Y, it's it's starting to make a bit of noise. So and it's and it's uh like um what do you call it? It's out of date. They don't make it anymore. So I can't just buy a ball screw. I have to buy the whole the whole rigging for it so right yeah so but other than that it's been just a flawless machine and it's like three quarter billet aluminum you know they don't make them like this anymore right yeah so um and that's been so when i got the cnc machine things started to i was like okay i can there's a lot of things i can do with this that a lot of people can't do by hand and I don't really think I started to fully using it to its potential until a couple years ago, really, when I, that's when I started to get really creative. And that's when you, you're starting to see the guitars that I'm making nowadays, because I used to make totally different like PRS and less ball style guitars. And Are you making a lot of your own parts on it? No, I wasn't really, you know, I, I, you know, I wasn't into that stuff, but before I was more like, um, I was really sort of, you know, single ply binding, nothing fancy, almost like an exile choppers style. I wasn't into all that. I got sick of hey, a nice top, man. You know, <laughs> I just got, I it wore me out and I got sick of doing blue quilts and purple and, sh- and shit like that. that and uh, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm I'm jumping around quite a bit here, but uh, oh, that's okay. Yeah, I got tired of that, and then I sort of went through a little period where I thought that maybe I didn't want to build anymore, and um, had a bit of what you might call an existential crisis, 
and I went on sort of a um geez, how do you how would you explain it? A personal journey. I didn't build that many guitars for quite a few years. Um and I did a lot of personal work and then I went traveling and when I got back I was like, okay, I got I got some ideas, lots, lots of ideas. And that's when things, that's when you, that's when um, Heatley Guitars, as you know it nowadays, sort of rounded itself out. But, um, I had to go on a walk about. I did a walk. Quest. Yeah, like literally a vision quest. Yeah, I'd get, I'd get into it if you want to, but it's sort of it's it's kind of spooky. But uh, the the guitars now came from a guitar that I made called the Retromatic, and it was a 15 inch bigger guitar that, that was this retro thing. So that headstock, the Kelvinator style headstock, first time I saw it was on the cover of a guitar player or something and the DeLeo brothers from Stone Temple Pilots they had matching bass and matching guitar Calvinator headstock K's and this was one still PRS was still really big and I thought man that is cool one day I want to be able to do that so I did and it didn't really take off and people didn't get it and it wasn't um, very few people bought them but they didn't want that headstock and uh it wasn't happening. And then someone said I would buy one if it was smaller. So I made the Parisian and then I sold like two. And one, only one had the headstock on it. And that was the one that I made and sold to somebody. I can't remember from not for very much. Oh, I sold it to Dave Hunter from Guitar Player Magazine, the guy that does all the reviews. Oh, nice. He reviewed the guitar and bought it. He loved it. Wow. And, uh, and then it just like sort of just died on the vine you know i couldn't sell them and people didn't want metal flake and they didn't want and they're still like nice top dude i want you know (laughs) and uh i just sort of packed it up and uh i spent like a year doing ayahuasca once a week for a year wow yeah with uh with a shaman in my living room so and then it's sort of that's when things sort of gelled after that and then and then i got this uh i got diagnosed with lung cancer and they found a giant tumor in my right lung and uh but it wasn't lung cancer but they told me it was at first so i spent about six months thinking i was gonna die and i hacked blood for about two years and oh my god uh, i know so (laughs) and then i sold the place i was in moved in with this woman and we sold her place and went traveling and then we broke up in this wild Greek tragedy style breakup in the middle of Italy. And I came back and she did come back and we got back together, but just long enough to get us into this house that had this big garage. And when I was traveling, I was like, you know, I wish I had a garage, uh, shop because I got all these ideas now. And Italy gave me such inspiration. It was so beautiful there. And I set my shop up just on a lark to because I had these ideas and I wanted to build guitars. And because we'd sold our houses, we were, we were okay. We didn't really need to work. But uh, I'm like, you know, I'm going to do what I want. And if they sell, I'll start up again. And if they don't, I'll find something else to do. And uh, COVID hit and it just exploded. And uh, now oh, I'm wow. backed up over a year. That's great. Yeah, that's sort of the short story of <laughs> of the whole journey. But yeah, that's so. I'm uh, curious, you know, on an ayahuasca journey, you know, supposedly you end up working through a lot of personal issues. But did you have any guitar specific visualizations during that? Um, no, it was more like. Uh, oh geez, how do you explain it? It's it's such a it's really hard to put word to what happens, but um, it was more like a gratitude for the skill and and the fact that I could build guitars for a living and not have to dig a ditch or go logging or work in a mine. You know, it was sort of more like a I had a newfound appreciation and respect for my life. And, oh yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, and the art 
Um, I think a lot of the inspiration came from traveling and not having a place to do that. That gave me also gratitude for, um, you know, and then I had it like I got backed up with ideas. And when I came back, yeah, yeah, these guitars I build now are so much different than what I used to do. They're like what I really want to do. And I, and I just decided, <laughs> I actually stood out in the garage and said, I just want benefactors to let me do what I want. <laughs> and, uh, and it showed up and that's what happened. And all of my dealers are just like, we'll take a few of these, send us whatever you want. I'm like, okay. And those are the guitars that sell the fastest. The ones that I just let be what they want to be. And I don't try yeah. to force them into being, you know, like when somebody orders a guitar with very specific specs, it's uh it's sort of a pain in the ass really because if something happens you can't not do that like if something happens with the dealer guitar i just change it and it becomes something those whole those pickups that i covers that i made that came from an accident and i i had to make them to fix something right and then all of a sudden everybody wants them you know so yeah cool things come out of mistakes totally yeah they really do well, I, well, before I forget, what was in your lung? Are you all right? Yeah, they don't really know what it was. It was, uh, it turned out to be a big infected. Something was infected in there, and they scanned me for two or three years afterwards, and it shrunk about 30% and then never went away. So, wow. Uh, so, I was doing that while spitting blood and doing ayahuasca once a week. Oh my god! I was gonna die. <laughs> so it was a pretty wild experience, but I'm glad I did it because actually, you know, that's funny. It turned out that that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it changed my outlook, and you know, you have a new found appreciation for health and life. Yeah, um, I imagine so. Yeah, a new um, gratitude. Made peace with death, and then you got to live. I did. You know, what's funny is I, <laughs> one thing that did come out of it was that I stopped caring about money and bills and stuff like that and uh, stopped worrying. And now I sleep like a rock. I used to have insomnia and now I just sleep like a baby every single night, no matter what's happening. Man. Uh, yeah. Um, I remember thinking, oh, well, I'm going to die, but I don't have to worry about bills or money anymore. So there's that. <laughs> Yeah, always look on the bright side. It wasn't purposely. It just sort of, you'd be surprised. If you ever go through something like that, you're going to see that, or you might, who knows, you might react totally differently. But my mind was like, oh, well, I don't have to worry anymore. Then after I got better, I thought, well, you know, I still don't have to worry, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so great. I just stopped. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? The money shows up and bills get paid and everything works out, you know, so... And the, and the guitar Man. business has been working out for me now, too. And it's it's a lot of fun. I have a new shop. I got a, a helper now who's really cool. And and uh, I got a really nice spray booth now for the first time ever. Well, you need that for the white binding. You need that if you're going to do white anything. Yeah. Yeah. I I Every time I do white binding on something, I, uh, I'm like, oh, I should have charged double for this. <laughs> like, oh, man. And I thought I had a really tight, nice spray booth, but you, you just get specks of something yep. all the time. I, I don't know what else to do with my booth. It's as tight as I think it can get. I think a lot of it comes from on you. you know. Oh, yeah. So if I do white, I'll go buy like a Canadian tire. I guess you don't have that there. Um, go to Lowe's and get a brand spanking new throwaway disposable you know, jumpsuit, paint suit, mm -hmm. and use it just for the white guitar and then throw it away afterwards. Because I think a lot of the stuff that gets on the guitar comes off of your body. Um, Let me ask you this. Uh, this is going to get weirdly specific, but do you have a switch inside your booth? Yes. Okay, that's the other thing I'm going to do. I'm going to, because I've got one from the outside, so I have to open the door to go in and it's sucking air in. Yeah, you know from what? The I don't dusty shop. Yeah. I'm kind of lucky because my booth is 
like I rent space in this like 12,000 square foot warehouse. And my booth is out in a separate room that's, that's open to the warehouse. So I just fling the doors open and suck air in from the warehouse. I don't even have a filter on the incoming air. And uh, wow, I know, and I don't get anything in the white anymore. It's like magic. Interesting. Well, yeah. maybe it's all coming off of me. It may be. It may be. I don't know. But I've sprayed white outside before too, with a, you know, if it's not blowing, but it's not. It's not ideal. That's for sure. Um, I was gonna tell you. I, I'm surprised people weren't into the Kelvinator headstock. That I think that was the first thing that made me recognize your guitars. Oh yeah, thanks. I, and I, I like it. it. Yeah, I it's do great. Too. Yeah, it's hit or miss, man. People they they like it or they think it's like ugly. So, um, you know, those are the types of guys. If I'm pissing off the shred metalheads, I I'm doing something right. <laughs> What them specifically that they don't like that, huh? They um don't like anything that's not flat black and pointy. So, <laughs> it's gotta know. look like a weapon. It does. And you know, I think that's cool too. I I don't get the new style of metal. I don't understand it. I can't find the one on the beat at all. But uh, you know, those guys seem really talented. Um but this one guy that ordered the progression, he uh, he's a metalhead, and the guy that wants the Floyd, and but he wants tortoise parts and all that. So he wants it dressed up like one of my Parisians, but like a metal guitar. So that's going to be kind of neat. I, I think that's cool, like taking the classic touches and putting them on a, um, yeah, on a guitar like that. Not everything needs to look like a, um, like a Schecter or a uh, BC Rich. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I liked the Warlock as much as any other 13-year-old boy would have. You know? Yeah, same <laughs> but, here. Yeah, but I'm not into them these days, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, to each his own. Yeah, totally. Um, so are there any modern metal bands that click with you? Um, Jeez, I can't. You know, honestly, man, I'm into old country. <laughs> and, uh, when i play in a band it's like rock covers and stuff like that so most of my time is spent listening to country music and sturgill simpson and tyler childers and oh sturgill's great oh yeah he's he's awesome he's like the new whalen you know yeah yeah um yeah he's really I, incredible totally so i don't plug in all that much anymore i, I play acoustic and I sing old country songs. That's how I entertain myself nowadays. But uh, Well, that's th cool, too. Uh, old country is one of my favorites. Oh, that's cool. Right on. Yeah. I really like uh, Mickey Newberry, uh, like his first album. Uh, I think it looks like Rain. Oh, you know, I never heard of that guy. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, great stuff. Well, he was like mostly a writer for... Uh, for all the all the big guys. Oh, did he write for George Jones and guys like that? I think so. I'm not yeah. for sure. That's my but goal you know, to be able to sing like George Jones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um let me just back to your question just a second. Let me give it a sure. I think I tuned out a metal um after the black album. You know, that's oh, how, wow. Yeah, so... There's a whole world you're missing. I know. Uh, um, some of that, like the... Oh, no, Tool. I, I like Tool. Right up until about Lateralis or whatever. It seems like they might be repeating themselves now. But, yeah, uh, I wasn't so much into the latest album, but all of them up to that I liked a lot. Yeah. Um, Undertow was a masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. And, oh, yeah. Uh, what was the one that came after that? Um I think it went undertow lateralis and then uh um anima i think no i thought anima came after undertow i could did it that's a good album too yeah that's one of my favorites yeah. from now um but you know like the math metal stuff that has the cookie monster vocals i can't get into it pantera oh. I, I love pantera yeah 
Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't understand. I can't find the one. <laughs> I, and I don't understand how the drummer knows how to do all that stuff in that. Oh my gosh. Some, the drumming is like insane. It's insane. Some of these bands. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy polyrhythms while keeping 4-4 four, four with other limbs. Just nutty stuff. Yeah. How do they do it? How do they know where to, how do they remember it? You know, do oh, they do that live? Yes, and it's so counterintuitive. Like it, I don't, I don't understand it. Do you listen to modern metal? I do. Yeah, like uh, I'm kind of picky, but the bands I really like right now are um, "Thy Art Is Murder," is an Australian one, and it's there's no singing; it's all screaming. <laughs> um, but uh, I also like Gaza. That's a now defunct band, but very good. This is all like weightlifting music, right? For me, you know, I don't sit down and draw a picture listening to this stuff. But uh, uh, for me, it seems like music, if it's on in my earbuds, it's uh, it's serving a purpose, right? You know, if I'm at work, uh, you know, building stuff, I need something up tempo and like moving me forward. But if, um, you know, if I'm lifting weights in the gym or something, I need, I need something to like crush my enemies to, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah. So are you the guy that has posted videos of you lifting, squatting like 350 and, and stuff like that? I can't remember. Oh no, no, oh. definitely not. Are you into punk? I never got into punk. Okay. Well, there's this band that used to play around here. We used to open for them, and they're a Scottish punk band called the Real Mackenzies, and they have bagpipes. Oh wow! In their punk, and it's that's good stuff. I love that stuff. That's the stuff I listen to in the middle of the day, or if I was lifting weights. I am thinking about getting back into the gym, but uh, I think I think COVID, it's good for longevity. Yeah, COVID kind of killed it because I was going. I used to be like 235 and just huge buffed, but uh, I was in my later 30s, uh, but I got kind of, being that big made me kind of slow, you mm -hmm. know, I'm sort of, you know, I could hardly touch my shoulder and <laughs> stuff like that, <laughs> but um, I probably yeah, will get you back. You got to remember to stretch. Yeah, I was in martial arts when I was a kid, and I can still almost do splits now. Oh, wow. Yeah. How tall are you? 6'2". Uh, yeah, same. Nice. Yeah, we're in the low 5% of males in the North America, from what I understand. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Dang. I know. I didn't know I had it so easy. I know. Apparently, that's what all women want, the guy over six feet. <laughs> yeah, I'm always like, why are short guys so worried about women? What's what's the deal? I guess it's, if you ask a woman what's important, they want a guy over six feet. I don't know. I don't know. What well, that... back when I was doing the dating app thing, that was, uh, that was a lot of minimum requirement on women's bios. I'm like, man, you guys are picky. They are because they want the... The, the top 5% of guys, I guess that's what all women are after. So, Yeah, but it helps if they're also in the top 5%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, man. How long have you been building? Uh, about 10 years. Oh, yeah. Right on. I went to Roberto Venn in uh, 2012. Uh, that's the uh, that? school out in Phoenix. It was pretty good. It uh, it was a cool cool experience. It's a uh, it was in downtown Phoenix. Uh, living there for five months was a, a fun experience, and uh, I rented a house with two other guys who were in my class, and there was about forty people in a class, and I. You know, all we talked about is guitars and guitar parts and this and that. And uh, about halfway through, I thought, man, I hope I don't get sick about this, sick of talking about guitars. And then by the end, I was like, well, I'm not sick of it. I, I guess I picked the right thing. 
Yeah. So I just stuck with it. I hardly ever get sick of it. It's fun. Um, I like it when my customers call up to talk about guitars and stuff. It's it's entertaining. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get to have relationships with these people too. And I've had people fly me out just to hang out. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get to meet some pretty cool people. And, uh, and there's like lots of relationships. A lot of guys buy more than one guitar. And um, I've, I've noticed that. It's, uh, and it always shocks me every time. Yeah, you know, um, some people just have a lot of money or they have, or they allocate a lot of money to their hobby. And uh, those are the guys that, you know, they pay our bills to keep us in. It's the reason why we can do what we do. So I see them getting bashed online, but, you know, there would be no boutique business if it wasn't for those types of people. Well, sure. So I appreciate them very much. Yeah, I have absolutely. one guy that just has no impulse control whatsoever. Every time we talk, he orders something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, I feel like if you're really into something and you're going to spend money on it, I, I personally would prefer buying a boutique guitar rather than some factory guitar. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just a much much better experience is a better product at the end of it. I feel like if, if you're in the know, um, you'd go that route. Yeah. I think if you know what you, if you know what you want and you can go that route, if you're experimenting, um, depends on how wealthy you are, I guess. And what you yeah, want. it could be an expensive experiment. It is. Um, that guy that went through 14 guitars that I was telling you about earlier, he tried something different every time and then just found out he just likes less balls. So, yeah, right at the end. But, uh, um, I don't take people's money if they don't really kind of know what they want. You know, if I can tell that someone's like going to spend their last, like this is a really, really big purchase for them, I make sure that they know what they want so that they get a guitar that they're not going to be unhappy with. And, uh, yeah. you know, I have to sell down the, down the line. Fortunately, my guitars don't sell for that much of a loss. Like you might lose 20% or you might even make money on them. Depends on uh, what you order. If you order some weird spec guitar that only you are going to like, then yeah, you better be damn sure you're going to hang on to it because it's a limited market for it. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I worked for a banjo manufacturer uh, for a long time, Bishline banjos. And, uh, people would want like their wife's name, like inlaid on the neck, you know, <laughs> and I always thought, well, this is yours forever, buddy. Yeah. There's no going back from this. And who don't, you know, maybe they decide they want to smash it later because of that. So, <laughs> well, I think the trick is, uh, then their wife couldn't yell at them too much for the purchase. Oh, that's the thought process, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember guys would say, if if you call them, my wife answers, don't tell her who you are. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. All right. Maybe you should think about this purchase, you know. <laughs> uh, everything should be above board. It should be, but, you know, whatever. Who am I to judge? True. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Here's what I wanted to ask you. Um, pickups. What's your opinion on pickups? What do you like? Um, you know, I'll try anything, but it kind of goes back to the same sort of thing. Like if you know, you really like it, then that's cool. But if you're going to build, you know, a $6,000 guitar and you want to try out gold foils, I wouldn't recommend it. You know, um, I use, as far as um, who I buy from, I use TV Jones and Wolf Tone. And Wolf mm -hmm. will build me anything. And he's we've just been friends for years. He, he started right around the same time I started building guitars. So uh, he knows what I like. He's got a special wine for me for humbuckers and P90s. And most of the guitars I build are 
um, P90s and humbuckers and a few TV Jones thrown. I just finished one up or am finishing one that has uh, TR Mons in it. They're pretty cool. Um, for my own guitars, I use P90s or humbuckers because I know what I can get out of them. Uh, I've tried, and I've tried a lot of a lot of pickups, but Wolf really, he winds the one, they have the most life to them. So I pretty much stick with him as far as humbuckers and P90s. And then uh, for the Gretschy stuff, I go with the TV Jones. They're pretty cool. They're good people nice. too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I met one of the TV Jones guys at a guitar show. They were very nice. Yeah, they they're really nice. And and Lynn runs the show down there. She's super cool. Has always helped me out if I had any trouble or wanted to change an order or add things. She's really cool about that. Um, have you ordered much from All Parts lately? I have not. I, they must have changed hands or something because they're totally different now. So Really? Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but I haven't had much luck. But uh, there's this place in Canada now called Next Gen. I'll throw a plug out for those guys. They're, they've been really good. And the, the order's here in days. And If you're in Canada, Next Gen has tortoise binding. <laughs> if you need tortoise binding, because it's almost impossible to get. Uh, in Canada from out of the country because it's celluloid and they won't put it in the mail. Right. Uh, unless you order it from the UK for some reason. I don't know why. Huh. But yeah. Do they label it improperly? I have no idea. You know, I don't know. Uh, but I get sheets of celluloid from them like tortoise and, and this stuff called Rothko and Frost, I think they're called. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have stacks of that stuff, so... That's where I get some of the other stuff. And the brown tortoise is the stuff for knife making. I think it's called Kernite or something like that. It's super expensive. But it polishes up like glass and it will last forever. It will not shrink. It doesn't warp. What did you call it? I think it's called Kernite. The brown and What tortoise. are you using that for? For those, uh, you know, the, the pickup covers that I make totally out of tortoise. Mm. and the knobs how do, and how do they machine beautifully yeah really nice oh nice but it's expensive man it's like yeah i just spent a thousand dollars on some of it it'll last a while but they have this eighth inch stuff that you make pick cards out of and it can be expensive because pick cards can be quite big right so yeah. you got to use a lot of it but you know so i just charge i charge up I upcharge for the tortoise and it's nice because you can make um, the strap pins out of it and the switch tip and the knobs and all that stuff, which takes forever. Some days I'm like, oh my God, why did I do this? You know, <laughs> could have bought a knob for five bucks. These knobs are like $50 each now because of all the time and stuff. But, you know, I think they set the guitars apart. So it's nice to do. Yeah, I, I like doing the same thing. I make a lot of ebony knobs and switch tips and odds and ends yeah cool do you have your own machine cnc i do i have a uh two by three uh laguna oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah when I had... um, before that i used a shop bot at oh. my old job how'd you like that it was okay it's uh i think when they bought it at the time, I think it was like a $15,000 machine. Um, but it's really, it's pretty inferior. It, it, it doesn't use ball screws. You know, it's like a, a gear. Like a rack and uh, pinion type thing? Yeah, running on a track. Yeah. And when I was using it, it was pretty worn out. The gears were, uh, I mean, the tips of the gears were like flared out from wear. And things like that and so it wasn't the most accurate but uh it did the job it was still running right yeah my my test for a cnc is like can i cut a uh like a 1 16th inch dot i knew you were you know out of pearl and it looked like a circle you know yeah yeah that's tough man a lot of machines can't do that Mm -hmm. even a quarter inch dot kind of looks a little lopsided on some machines especially if if the if the router bit dives in 
on one of the lines that's going around and then it comes back to you and, and you see the line, the, the spot where the mm-hmm. outer bit went in. Yeah. You kind of got to come into it from a outer angle to get, to get it to be a nice round dot. Yeah. I will say that Laguna, it'll do it. It will. eh? Yep. Yeah. I looked at those when I was having trouble with my machine, but I ended up fixing it. So I might get one anyway, uh, a bigger one, uh, something that I can do two or three, two or four bodies on at a time mm-hmm. and then dedicate my thorn CNC to just next. But we'll yeah, see how sure. it goes. We'll see how this COVID rush goes. If it keeps going, then I'll expand. But uh, if not, I'm just going to maintain because uh, rent where I'm at is pretty ridiculous. So um, a lot of my, a lot of money is going through me, but I'm not keeping very much of it, you know, I know that feeling. Yeah, I don't think any guitar builders really getting rich. No, uh, I I've said it many times on this podcast that uh, I think if you're going to manufacture something, I think guitars might be the dumbest thing you could manufacture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my buddy's like, oh, he's doing, he's crunching numbers at home, figuring out how much I could be making, and. Uh, Oh, they're just widgets. The more widgets you make, the more money you make. I'm like, they're totally not widgets, man. They're, there's so many moving parts. You, you just have no idea. Nobody knows. Like they think they come and see me building and they don't have any idea how long it takes to put the frets in. The fret ends alone, you yeah. know, to do that and roll the fretboard. That takes like, takes me like two hours just to do that, you know, to get them right. So it's not a widget. Um, it's a hard life being picky it is yeah i get that from my mom (laughs) she was a seamstress and she would rip things apart just to fix one little stitch so Mm -hmm. i'm pretty fussy about some things um about, about guitars about the rest of my life i'm not really but when it comes to guitars i'm pretty fussy i'm the same way my my house is a mess but uh the guitars come out pretty perfect. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Um, I was going to ask you about neck joints. What in, what in your opinion uh, makes a good neck joint? I, I see you do mostly set necks. Yeah, um, I do. The Beaumont's a bolt-on, but the Parisian is uh, a set neck. So I differentiated and I changed the headstock so that it's obvious. Um, you just want full contact, you know, on all sides and, uh, you want it to go in straight, of course. So it's lines up dead center. Um, I like to go right into the neck or into the pickup cavity as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you don't, you want it to fit nice and tight when you push it in. It's, you can hold the guitar up by it without it flopping around. Um, it's funny you should ask about that because I've done so many different types of neck joints. I've done every one of them, I think. Uh, neck through, I used to do a, a sat through neck that was a set neck that went way into the guitar body under the bridge. Mm-hmm. And then the dovetail one. Then I've done the one like, uh, you know, Gibson does, the mortise and tenon. And, uh, you know, the good old sort of Hamer style dovetail neck joint or PRS, whatever you want to call it, it works. It's great. It's got the most surface area. You don't get two different types of, you know, you don't get two different types of wood joining right underneath the fretboard. You know, like on the on the Gibson neck joint, you got the mahogany and then the fretboard lays over top of a bunch of maple when it hits the body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got two different woods expanding and contracting at different rates right under the fretboard at that point. And you know, some people say that having the fretboard lay on that part changes the tone on those notes, well, maybe, but um, I haven't found that it made all that much difference, honestly. So I I like the, the, you know, the old fashioned sort of big oversized dovetail, like the Hamers or PRS style neck joint. It's always worked the best for me. Nice. 
That's a good answer, I think. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I rambled through a bunch of shit there and didn't say anything, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, if it, fit, if it fits in firmly and you can pick the body up with it, um, I think that's a... I think that's a pretty good test yeah and uh you know um some people like to use high glue and all that stuff but i, I don't i use uh use this really nice stuff gorilla glue it's called it almost hardens up like glass so that's what i've been using lately i've tried high glue and you know it has its charm i guess it's kind of like nitro mm-hmm. but i'm not really uh not slave to you know, when people say it's not vintage correct, it just I just want to smack them because it's just, <laughs> it just drives me. It's like nails on a chalkboard when I hear that shit. Vintage is not uh, synonymous with good. It's not. Or best. Yeah, you know, drum brakes are vintage too. And they're not cool at all. So. <laughs> very true. Right. This is why resto mods are a thing. That's what I like resto mods because I've had vintage cars and they're not all that, you know. They're they have their charm, like I was I was saying. I had a vintage Corvette and I drove it down the coast of California and over into Arizona and stuff, and it was cool. But you know, I remember trying to keep up with a chick in one of those four door Jeeps, and she was blowing me off the road. So. Yeah. I could feel the frame twisting and everything. It's like, you know, maybe the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I could use a tube frame and some really nice disc brakes. And yeah. Uh, what's funny is uh, one of our first really warm days here, I was on like a three-mile stretch of highway, and I saw maybe three or four miles, but I saw three vintage cars pulled over dead on the side of the road, and each one had like a middle-aged guy like on the side of the road with the cell phone out. <laughs> I thought, man, that's a good looking car, but looks broke down right now. <laughs> yeah. They look good in the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. I get tons of compliments and stuff. It was really neat to have, but, um, yeah, if I was going to do it again, I'd have to have a resto mod, something with, a, you know, an LS or something in it with a six speed and all of that. But, uh, you know, I think I remember, seeing videos of Lamborghini Countach owners and I always wanted one of those when I was a kid but they all said you know the dream is better than the reality mm. so I kind of feel like that with guitars too Nitro has its charm I do I do like the way it wears and I like the nice leather jacket that's been worn or a pair of jeans but you know it, it, I don't know. It has its charm, you know, but uh, I do like modern build techniques like CNC machines. Like the inlay I do couldn't be done not as well with a, without a CNC machine. So yeah. Yeah. And, and, and cutting it out by hand with a little Dremel, that just sounds like crazy talk to me. <laughs> I still do that sometimes if it's a, uh, say like a customer sends me a neck to do an inlay in and I, can't sufficiently jig up the neck on the machine to cut the pockets right i'll do that but it is uh it's time intensive and hold on to your hat you know hold on tight so you don't slip yeah and, well uh, i know i know ron thorne still does a lot of stuff by hand but you know he's a master but but it's not better i, I would much prefer the pockets that the machine would do totally you know, it's like total control. Actually, you know, I've had I've had so many jobs that I screw up. Um, say, uh, especially um, when I was doing banjos, if they wanted a custom inlay on the fretboard and it just didn't come out right, I'd slap the fingerboard back on the machine, cut out the inlay I just put in, and then put a new piece in there. That's funny. I've done that yeah yeah i but you know i know ron he'll he'll route the fretboard out on the machine and then he'll cut the piece by hand to fit what the last time i was there he doesn't always do it that way but sometimes i was at his shop there not long that was quite a few years ago before he went to fender he he had a microscope he would look through to cut the line Mm -hmm. so he had a microscope on his 
bench. Like a jeweler's mic microscope thing. Yeah, it wasn't like a magnifying glass. It was a microscope. Yeah. That he was looking through and splitting lines with it. And he'd cut a piece out and just pop it right in there. And his dad used to work with him too. And this guy had hands like as big as the top of my head, man. This guy was huge. <laughs> and he was cutting these little fine detailed inlays. It was just amazing. But wow. um, I don't like inlay that much you know i would never get on a stage with a guitar covered in abalone so yeah i I just could never get into it i like you know fret markers are cool and i think the ones i'm doing now are probably my favorite but i couldn't get into like a rising phoenix or a tiger or whatever on that it's it's nice as art but not as something Mm -hmm. that you'd want to take out and beat on on the road yeah yeah like the those prs dragons they're not uh they're not getting toured with i don't think no they're uh rich people are buying them actually i seen one of those dragons where they had the dragon on the body Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of gaps in it man there was big huge spots where they were just filled with finish that really that i was blown away too and it wasn't stained in there too it was like you could see maple was really I was pretty shocked. Maybe it was just because it was a Nam guitar and they rushed it to get its Nam. I don't know, but it's really hard to get it to go over all the contours and stuff. So, mm-hmm. and I couldn't. Some of them I can't make out the dragon. I can't. You know, it's just not that it's abstract, but I can't really see it. I don't know. Is it's like too busy. Yeah, they're fucking ass ugly. I think myself personally. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. Don't hang me for it. Yeah, sure. there's not that's not my thing. No, um, I spent so much time in playing in bands that you know, I'm not even really into super flamey tops, but you know, they, they look nice. And when you sell guitars on the internet, I mean, let's face it, they're buying them because of how they look, so they got to look cool, sure. Yeah, it certainly helps, yeah. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking with me today. Yeah, my pleasure, man. It's been fun. Where can people find you? On Instagram, Heatley Guitars, or on, uh, you know, go to my website, heatleyguitars.com, send me an email. Um, But mostly on Instagram. That's where I post all the stuff I do daily. Uh, I'm not on Facebook or anything like that. So, yeah, check it out. Hit me up. Awesome. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, man.